0: Welcome back to the golf club. Randy Merkin here with you. And it's my pleasure to be joined by the winner of the Safeway Open and the British Open back in 2009. It's Stuart Sink. Stuart, how are you? I'm doing fine, Randy. Thanks. Stuart, first of all, congratulations. I don't, I don't, think, I don't think enough was made, Stuart, that 47-year-old Stuart Sink won a PGA event. And the way you did it was awesome. Um, after a couple of weeks now since you've won, does it, does it has it sunk in what you did?
1: <laughs> nah, I don't know how to answer that. <laughs> if it's it sunk in right away, and it'll never sink in all at the same time, you know. I mean, it was just incredibly special. <laughs> Number one, yeah, late forties, haven't won in a long time, but you know, I, I I knew I had what it took to still win on the PJ tour it's just that my results didn't show it for a long time. And so it it roads away some of that belief, but then also having my son on the back, um, my younger son, Reagan, who's 23 um, was caddying only the fourth time he's caddied and he was fabulous. I mean, he, he knows golf, like a tour player. He's a good golfer and he knows me, you know, he's not like like anybody else or like nobody else. And um, we just had a really good chemistry on the course and good decision making. And, um, I was, just, I was just as happy for him as I am for myself. And it was really just a fantastic week.
0: You know, that's an interesting point, Stuart, because, you know, Caddy is, is like a coach almost on, on the course for you, right? I mean, he, he's making so many decisions for you and he's pointing so many things out. And it's your son doing it. Like, how tough is that? Like, can you be critical of him in certain situations when he did something that wasn't right? Or, I mean, and how cool was that, you know, like to, to both experience that for four days?
1: We I would call it a little bit more advisor or consultant than coach. Okay. <laughs> when you're out there.
0: Okay. Every and,
1: and that's the thing about the player caddy relationship. It's one of the relationships in sports in that, you know, no other sport really has that type of setup, but also every caddy and player are different with each other. So um I know lots of players who their their caddy is more of a bag toter, and then I know lots of them who are they are their coach. So it's a little different for everybody with my son though, um, we both have like a really good understanding of uh, the realities of golf and it's a kind of a vague sport. And so everybody's going to make mistakes. He knows I'm going to make mistakes hitting shots incorrectly, miss hits, miss, miss decisions, you know, and, and he knows that he's also going to make some um, errors when he's, you know, deciphering all the different factors that are going into the shots. And, you know, we play at the highest level and and there's very fine margin for error. So, we have to calculate all that in, and we we, we did. Uh, he carried, carried for me two tournaments, Safeway, and then last week at Sanderson Farms, and we did a good job the whole way of really managing those little blunders here and there. And you know, when he would make a mistake and get one wrong, I would make a mistake and get one wrong. We just kind of laugh it off and say, "Hey, well, nobody's perfect, and let's just go try to do better next time."
0: So, Stuart, I was I was watching a lot of that final round, and um, if anyone knows anything about you, they know the struggles that you know the the health issues with your wife and so happy that she's doing so much better and they showed on and i think you you knew about this but like a third or fourth hole it was after you made a birdie or a big putt uh your wife was right there because obviously there's no fans except for family on the course and you went up to her and whispered something in her ear and um you got even a little emotional and like i i gotta imagine for you that win was like just you know you said it's been a long time 11 years since you won your last time but for a family that must have been a huge family win for you guys as well
1: Yeah, definitely, and um, for a lot of reasons, my wife has been my biggest supporter the whole time, and she's constantly, you know, instilling that belief in me. Like you can do it; you have everything it takes. Just you know, know, believe in yourself and keep going. And she's just been so good about it. And she's like a, uh, she's probably like a better sports psychologist than any sports psychologist I've paid a fortune (laughs) (laughs) over the years. But um, at that moment, you know, I was on the 14th hole, and I, um, I just was. I, I was recognizing the position I was in. I knew I was going to lead. I knew I'm 47 years old and my son was on the back. And I just was feeling this like really enormous sense of gratitude about the position I was in. Like, you know, this is something that nobody else really gets experience and really special. And I really want to kind of soak it all in right now. And I just went over to her and shared that with her. Like, Hey, you know what? I have so much gratitude right now. And she felt the same way. And she just kind of like patted me on the back and just said like, all right, now you got more to do now. <laughs> and, um, but it was really great to be able to share that with her, and to uh, you know, for her to just be out traveling, and for the tour to allow the wives and the significant others to come out and and be part of the golf experience because it's more than just watching shots. You know, it's it's not just watching shots; it's experiencing the day right. and kind of understanding the ups and downs and what you're struggling with and what you're having great success with, and it's it's all part of that. And it's great to, for Lisa to be able to be out there too. But it was that was a moment where I was just got kind of to overcome with that sense of gratitude. And I felt so good. I had to share it with somebody and I saw it right there.
0: So what is a victory celebration like in COVID times? Like, you know, usually afterwards you do, uh, you know, the press conferences and maybe you have a quick dinner with some of the members or whatever it is, but like, what, what, did you, what did you do after you won the tournament?
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> it really has nothing to do with COVID, but <laughs> we, my wife and my son, um, Reagan and I have another son, Connor too, who I was hated. He couldn't be part of that, but it was his birthday that day. So oh. that made it special. And he's got wow. it for me a few times. Um, but Reagan and Lisa and I had set up a, a reservation at French laundry, which is probably one of the, well, I think it's undisputably one of the top 10 restaurants in the world. And it's been the top restaurant in the United States a bunch of times on its own. Um, and so we had never been and we set up a reservation for Sunday night because we weren't, um, leave until monday and then it just evolved into this perfect way to celebrate a win to go to this fabulous place this iconic thomas keller's french laundry and uh, enjoy the just i mean talk about like the fruits of your labor it yeah. was i've been to a lot of places and i'm a food person and it was nothing even comes close to uh what we experienced that night so that was a great way for us to celebrate we had a good bottle of wine we uh we got to talk with thomas a good bit and just had just an, a spectacular night. Now, was it a big party? No. And no, wasn't anything like that. But we just had, we got exactly what we wanted to do. We got quiet. We got to share, like, moments about the week and the day and um, all fresh, you know, few hours after the win happened.
0: You know, I, I was watching some of the coverage last week from Sanderson Farms and uh, in the broadcast, They and you were playing with Zach Johnson, I think, the first two rounds, and they said, told the story how Zach Johnson was watching you win and got very emotional because you guys are so close. Did, did you get a lot of text calls from, you know, PGA contemporaries, players, colleagues that were so happy for you?
1: Yeah, I did. I got a lot of it. It's a close family out here, you know, and I've got my set of friends for sure, and I got messages from people that I wouldn't even consider my friends, which was really nice. And, you know, everybody, congratulatory when I see him in the locker room. But, yeah, I've used it as a reminder that it's not, it's nice for everybody to say something and, and to exchange that moment of, you know, hey, happy for you. But it's also kind of a good reminder for me to stay focused on what I need to do. And, you know, one win is great, but there's a lot more tournaments. And I've already played in one and there's another one this week here at Shriners in Las Vegas too. Um, you know, I got a lot of work ahead of me <laughs> and I love the work. I love when it pays off, but it's all you know, you you do what you can do to um, be prepared to let the results happen. You can't force the results. And part of the congratulatory messages and, and the, you know, pats on the back and the fist bumps and everything that's been happening since Safeway is a good reminder for me that it's nice that it happens, but let's move on to what we have to do. And um, I enjoy that part of golf.
0: By the way, you shot a six, seven under par in your final round at Sanderson Farm. So that that was pretty impressive as well. And, now you go on to Las Vegas. I'm very curious about this because uh, I always c- curious. So if you, you finish up on Sunday, Monday morning, are you do you? What do you do? You fly out, go right to Vegas? Is that how it works? Uh, PGA Tour or is that, what's Well, the, what's... The,
1: the, right now because of COVID, the PGA Tour is operating a charter flight between tournaments um, almost every week, and so you can jump on that. But players and caddies only. So my wife's been traveling, so I elected not to use it, and we uh we just went straight to the airport sunday night and we just caught a connecting flight on delta through atlanta and out to vegas we got here super late sunday night but um usually when we set up our travel we we tend to try to do it that way because it's easier to get here and rest than it is to have a long travel day on monday and then you're kind of behind a little bit on tuesday so uh, we just decided to do it that way but typically we don't waste we don't let, let grass grow under our feet so much at the golf tournament that we are out of there right away. S-
0: Stuart, what, what is Vegas like right now? I mean, I, I assume you guys are spending most of your time at the course, but you know, I assume in normal times it would be a great week to be in Vegas, but right now not so much.
1: Um, yeah, and I, I can't speak that too much because we, um, we, we aren't staying down by the strip this year. We are staying at a casino hotel, but we haven't been in the casino at all or anything. And, and we would, it, we would go and play blackjack. We like sitting there for hours and playing blackjack for like the minimum. <laughs> it's fun. <fine. laughs> but, um, yesterday we took the day, I took the day off from golf and we drove over with death Valley because we like seeing the outdoor stuff. And we took the drive to the desert and just kind of went to a place we haven't seen before. And spent the afternoon just wandering through, um, in the car, you know, checking things out and seeing the desert. Syndrome. Um, just kind of disconnected from everything. But, um, we might go to the casino, but it, it, it does feel different. It feels quiet. The restaurants are really sparse. It's easy to get a parking place everywhere. It doesn't have the typical uh, buzz that Vegas usually has.
0: By the way, um, not, not that you would bet on yourself, but you're 125 to 1 this week. That's <laughs> <I'm> so disrespectful.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm, I'm used to those triple digit numbers, one and <laughs> odds on my name. It's okay.
0: <laughs> you know, I, I have a couple more questions for you, Stuart. And, and um, you were gracious enough three days after you won the Open Championship over Tom Watson uh, to come on with us, uh, Waddle and Sylvie, back in the day, uh, on the mornings, and you, you were great. You came on. Um, I still say, in my opinion, Stuart, if Tom Watson at 59 had won the Open Championship with obviously an amazing field, that goes down bigger than the 1980 Olympic team. That, to me, is the greatest sports achievement of all time. You beat Tom Watson in a four-hole playoff that day what what would you say about my my thought there?
1: I've always said that um, part of the reason I won that open and it's similar to Safeway is that I had this like really keen sense of recognition of the place I was in at the moment. Um, Safeway, you know, I was uh, older. My son was caddying. My wife was there, and you know, considering her struggles in health, she was uh, you know present with us, and then uh, sort of. Similar to that, at uh, Turnberry, I was very aware of Watson. I was keenly aware of the story that he was writing, and, and it kept me distracted off my own stuff um, enough to help me stay focused and win um, when I needed to. And, and I, I always said since then that I thought that it would probably be the biggest story in sport in 20 years. And um, I don't know. There's been a lot of great stories in sports. I'd have to really go back and study up before I committed to history. But right. I certainly thought it would be the biggest story in 20 years and um, 59 years old and, you know, how close he came. But it honestly is part of the reason that I was able to keep my head about me and keep my composure, knowing that the story that he was writing was so big.
0: Uh, I have to ask you this, another question, Stuart, because you said you, we brought up your age, 47 years old and the PGA tour just has so many great young players. Now it's amazing. And how far they hit the ball. Is it weird sometimes when you're paired up in a you know in a early first couple rounds in a threesome with two kids who might be like twenty or two or twenty three years old? The, it, how does that work out <laughs> for you?
1: Well, it doesn't really um, feel that strange to be honest because I don't. I feel like I'm still twenty two, twenty three years old myself. I mean, I, I really do. I don't hurt. I don't feel weak. <laughs> I, I feel that way, and uh, they probably look at me like you look like a granddad. <laughs> <laughs> But I don't feel that way. And I also have no trouble, um, you know, having conversations carried on with kids that age because I got two of those my age. Right. And I see them all the time. You know, Reagan and Connor are 27, 23. So I'm used to that. And um, golf, I think there's more made of the youth movement in golf, and they're really there. They hit it far, but they don't hit it a lot farther than we do. They don't okay. hit it. You know, they're, they're not, like, out driving everybody. They hit it. What they do is they optimize their golf games and they get the most out of what they have, which is the same thing that a 47-year-old golfer does. And we all hit the ball just about exactly the same if you take out Dustin Johnson and Bubba Watson and Rory McIlroy. Right. And it is uh, it is impressive. I love watching the young guys play. They do approach the game a little bit differently than I did when I was their age. But it's caused me, you know, when I was a rookie, I looked at guys like Curtis Strange and Paul Azinger and Tom Lehman and tried to learn from them. And now that I'm 47, I'm looking back at guys that are that Victor Hovland and the young guys their age, then looking back to them and saying, what can I learn from them? So it's just always a matter of perspective. All
0: right. I have to ask you this question, Stuart, since you've been on the PGA Tour for a long time, had a tremendous career. By the way, I don't know if you know this, you're 21st in the money list of all time. So that's amazing statistic for you as well. Um, I played one time with Mark Lye, uh, former PGA player, golf channel analyst, and he hit a shot, like I want to say, 15 feet from the pin. And I turned to him, I said, great shot. And he said, quiet. It's, if it's not within 10 feet, it's not a great shot. He said, I said, what? And he goes, ask any PGA Tour player, if it's not within 10 feet, it's not a great shot. Is that true, Stuart, if you don't hit a shot? like you know, with, a, with, with a wedge. He had a wedge in his hand. With that, yeah,
1: I was going to say, I, I was waiting for that. Because okay. uh, every shot is I, I One of the things I love to do around home where I live in Atlanta is I like to talk with young players and try to help them with their games. And, you know, there's always so much that – teaching pro can teach them about way to play golf and I can't teach the swing, but I can surely teach them how to get themselves around the course and manage their expectations. And, uh, one of my friends who's a really good player, is going to uh, division one, uh, going to SEC school to play under full scholarship. He said to me, when I asked him, like, what are you trying to get better at? He said, I- I'm, I really want to get my wedge shots inside feet." And I just told, told him, like, just so you know, your information, if you average 10 feet with all your wedge shots, then you'll be the best player in the world from that area by about 9 feet. With the PGA Tour average, right. the best player is like 19 feet with a wedge. And it doesn't sound all that dramatic, but that's because not every wedge shot is a straightforward shot. You know, you got sometimes you got wind straight down and the pins in the front, you can't stop it, or you got you know, a, a, a lot of factors. Sometimes 25 feet is a Fabulous shot with a wedge. right? And people get caught up in thinking that you have to be a certain, you know, you have to, certain proximity to the hole or you have to drive at a certain distance. Every shot is case one of one. And um, people get too much caught up. I I, I know Mark Lives thought on that, and he was probably in the middle of fairway. He probably had a perfect line, an easy yep, wedge, and he, he hit it 10 feet right of where he was trying to or left. And that's not – that kind of shot, yeah, you want that to be coming straight down the flagstick. <laughs> but there's plenty of other shots when you're under pressure, when the pins are tucked, when the greens are firm, when the wind's blowing, where that same shot at 10 feet might be like, heck yes, that was a great shot. And don't you forget it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, so will you be at Augusta or do you, have you not qualified yet for Augusta? No, I'm, I'm I there's no way I can get into Augusta. Okay.
1: Not, not for not 2020, but I'll be in at 2021.
0: Gotcha. Will you watch?
1: Yeah, I okay. watch it. I like watching golf tournaments. Um, Oh, I may not watch every day, but certainly on Sunday the Masters, I'll be watching. If I'm not in, and I'll probably cook ribs or something that day too.
0: <laughs> you know, it's it's amazing. I was looking back at your career. You've uh, you've won the Open and the other three majors. Uh, your best finish is tied third, which is amazing. It's great. Um, do you remember? I think it was 2008 Masters. You finished tied third. Do you remember uh, how close you came to winning?
1: Yeah, and it wasn't very close. And the reason is because Trevor Immelman, I believe, won that year. Am I right about that? Was that his year? Yeah, I think um, you're right. Yeah, I think that was the year that Trevor was well ahead. Like he won by four or five shots. That it, I was um, me. I was tied with Tiger going to the seventy-second hole, and we were playing together. And but I, we weren't in contention. We were tied for second, so it was a high finish. that meant a lot to me. Didn't mean much to Tiger. He just right. calmly knocked in his fifteen footer to beat me by a stroke and cost me about a half a million. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I tied for third there but not really I've never really been in the heat of the battle coming down the back nine there at Augusta, okay. which is something I'd really really love to do in my career.
0: Um, playing with Tiger I, you know I've, I'm sure you've done it plenty of times. Is it is it intimidating when you have that huge gallery following you around or is it after a while you just forget they're even there?
1: Uh, it, it can be a little bit intimidating especially the first few times you do it but um, it's also you know there's a fine line between like an afraid nervous and then like an intensity nervous what you know it's a it's like a a fork of the road that's almost hard to decipher which way you go and everybody tends to go one way or the other and i think most of the players if you're you're good enough to get it out to the pga tour and make this your career then i think that most players when they get nervous they get intense Mm -hmm. and so it ratchets up your focus your senses are all heightened and you you tend to play great and so that's one of the beliefs you have to have in yourself is that when I get a situation like that, playing with Tiger, last group on Sunday, you know, in contention for a major, that's when you have to know that that nervous energy you feel is only going to help you because it's going to intensify your focus and really draw in and narrow your your mindset.
0: Uh, great stuff. And by the, thank you so much for doing this. Before I let you go, I met you one time. Uh, I used to work at this uh, another network called Sporting News Radio 101 Sports, and we were at like almost every U.S. Open for for five or six straight years. And I want to say it was either Pinehurst, Southern Hills, or Pebble. But whichever one, you came into the media tent to do something. I approached you. You couldn't have been a nicer guy. You came out with us. So I I always remember that, seriously. I I always remember what a nice guy you were. And this was years ago. And I remember that Southern Hills – that Southern Hills uh, final day, I think you had a putt to go to make the playoff with Retief Kusin and Mark Brooks, if I am correct.
1: Yeah, I missed a short putt on the yep. last hole that cut, it ended up costing me the yep. spot in the playoff. Yeah, but yep. you're,
0: you're a, <laughs> seriously a class act, and uh, I've followed your career since then, and you've always held yourself up high, and uh, I'm so happy for you that you won against Stewart, and uh, best of luck this week in Las Vegas, and hopefully we can do this again sometime.
1: Okay, yeah, you got it. I appreciate that.